Take care, everyone. Take care. Take care. Welcome to minute 10 of our lovely podcast, Awake Minute by Minute, where we're discussing the movie, The Life of Yogananda. Uh, today, we have a special guest. But before we introduce him, Mike and Chris, tell me, how was your energization? When did you last do energization? Uh, yeah, I, I, can, I can say this one. It, it was yesterday. I, I, I did have a bit of a, a hectic start to my day today, but uh, yesterday was, was, was the day. And you know what? Actually, I can say um, uh, probably the first time a few days ago, I joined the SRF um, 6.20 in the morning um, energization technique uh, through, through Zoom link. And that was actually really cool. And that was the first time I've, I've done this uh, in, a, in a while. So uh, yeah, that, that, was, that was good fun um, to do with other people. But yesterday by, by that, myself. That's a Great. pass, Chris. Well done. Mike. Okay. Thank you. Um, for me, it was Saturday, like two days ago. And it was because I was doing stuff for uni um, and I was falling asleep. It was past midnight and I was desperately looking for ways to stay awake. So I was like, let's do the energization exercises now. Oh, that's good. It didn't work. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I was really tired, but you, haven't, you haven't slept since. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I, I felt full of night. It really helped a little bit. <laughs> Come on, Mike. I've, I've told you, like, when, when, we, when I host, I'm going to ask you these questions. So you have to do every single one of your practices on the day I host. But anyway, you, you get a semi pass as well. So it wasn't semi pass. That That's good enough. And, you, and you've been that. busy okay. with study. You've yes, been busy yes. with studies. Well, let's, uh, let's, without further ado, introduce Hemond. Welcome, Hemond. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us something about yourself. Um, tell us how you came to this path. Thank you, first of all, that, <clears throat> yeah, that I can join your crew today. <laughs> it's a great honor and blessing in, to some extent. Um, Mike introduced me to the project a couple of weeks ago, and um, I thought, wow, what a brilliant idea to go through, you know, minute by minute to this fabulous documentary. So first of all, thank you so much for doing that. Um, yeah, it's really, really cool. <laughs> that's, that's first first up front. Yeah, how did I get to the path? Um, uh, I think, um, you know, some people may call it a blessing, others may call it um, a challenge. I was born into an SRF family, so <laughs> um, it comes, um, yeah, with, uh, I think, after all, with a lots of blessings, to be honest. And uh, yeah, I've uh, started actively um, to be on the path, uh, I think, I think in 1993 for the centennial convocation. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, I could I could share a little secret here. Go for it. Go for we it. love secrets on, yeah. on public podcasts, especially. <laughs> I'm not sure if I should really do it, but <laughs> anyway, since I started, um, you know, the, the thing is that um, the reason I came, uh, I really actively started, is because my parents they wanted to go to the to the centennial convocation, 1993, and they said, uh, "We can't let you, me and my sister, we can't let you uh, stay at home alone in Germany." Um, so if you want to come uh, with us to this trip, long distance trip to Los Angeles, um, would be good if you could get into it a little bit further, you know? That's good, that's good parenting. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good parenting. That's clever. So, um, so I, I decided, well, at least I should look into the autobiography Yogi a little bit um, more in, in depth. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's catched me right away. And uh, since then, um, I really followed it, you know, uh, the lessons, 
the teachings, um, the Sunday services and meditations, quite, quite regular. And um, energization exercises, you know, I have a family, three children, a wife, um, all on the path, so to speak. Um, you, have to, you have to have your routine, otherwise you're lost in this world. And um, I guess uh, what Guruji did for us, you know, setting up this beautiful path with all these teachings and, um, you know, guidelines, it's a great help in the daily struggle. So, yeah. Great. Great. And how old were you when you read the, or when you were in 93? How old were you then? Uh, I was uh, 16. Oh, cool. Yes. Very yeah, cool. And um, so tell us, when did you see the Awake film? And uh, what did you make of it when you saw it? Oh, I saw it actually in a cinema in Berlin. Um, it was an interesting moment because uh, I, you know, we heard a lot about it. Um, and uh, I wanted to watch it as soon as possible. So I, I, I got the tickets and I actually wanted to bring my wife with me, but uh, she decided to stay at home with the children. We had two children at that time. Um, and then uh, the cinema was quite, quite empty. And I, at first uh, I thought, wow, I mean, not so many people attended. Uh, sad, you know, I was expecting large crowds all rushed into the movie theater. Um, but um, when the film started, when the documentary started, um, I appreciated it so much, you know, these quiet moments, uh, maybe there were 10, 15 people in a oh, hall of, well, capacity maybe, well, I would have to estimate 150, 200 maybe. So really small, small crowd, but it was so, so, you know, it was so dense and so nice and the vibration so high and you could really feel how everybody was zoomed into it. It was really, really cool. I still have very good memories of, of the first time watching it. And oh God, don't ask me how many times I've watched it since. That's <laughs> <laughs> <was> a couple. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Any more interrogation questions, Mike and Chris, for Hammond? I just want to know how long have you had your bracelet for? I'm, I'm very, everybody's got one. Oh, yeah. yeah. For, very well, for the oh, podcasters, uh, Chris <laughs> is talking about our astral bangle. Astral bangle. Yes. Yeah, good question. I think this one I have now for um, maybe 15 years. The first one I got in 1995 when I got initiated into Korea. Um, it was a present of my father, but this one I had three in total. They tend to break. <laughs> uh -huh. I don't know if you guys have a similar experience, but uh, even this one here, I don't know if you can. Well, yeah, it, there is the copper one is again on one part it's it's gone so i, don't know, I think I it, it, it like it shows yeah. it shows your karma basically <laughs> really <laughs> you're, you're relinquishing your karma one bad at a time one, yeah i mine is also version number two okay already so but Hemin, mine, do you mike i know mike used to take it on and off for football often but Hemin, do you ever take it on and off or do you keep it on i did it with the first one you know um <clears throat> i stayed six months in hidden valley that's a long, long time ago. <laughs> and um, during the work process, you know, sometimes um, it fell off because I kept it here on the upper arm and now mm. I have it around my wrist. And um, so sometimes I took it off, but I, I figured out that um, the more often I took it off, maybe it's just the mind thing, um, the more, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, so, you know, the risk was too high for me. <laughs> on the mind that it would break even 
So, yeah. so the advice you'd give to listeners who have a bracelet is to keep try and keep it on, not not take it yeah. on and off. Yeah. 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 I, I, to be honest, I don't even feel it anymore. You know, yeah. it's part and parcel of my, my body. <laughs> but my, my, yeah, go on, Chris. Sorry, but I, I did have another question before we, you know, we move on. How did you, how did you manage? I presume you had to manage uh, to get your kids onto the path. How did you go about it? Ooh. Great question. Yeah. You know, I think. <clears throat> I think when I think of my own parents, how they did it with us and uh, my wife, she's also from, from an SRF family from, from Sicily. Mm, nice. And um, we both had the same um, experience in our childhood and our parents never really put pressure on us in regards of meditation or praying or, you know, the entire path. They, they told us about, about master and about all these cool things he did and uh, he's still doing. And uh, so the guru was always a part of us, of our childhood life. You know, um, I remember that my father always kept telling me when I board a plane, I should say, Om Babaji Om. Hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, these things just stick. <laughs> <with>. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, I think we, we just, um, because they see us meditating, meditating every day, and they see us praying, and we do the lunch prayer together, um, or the evening prayer at the table, for, for dinner and um, yeah, and last year when it started, when we started to, um, we don't do it regularly anymore, but when we started to have the, the um, online meditation, uh, online meditations from, from SRF, uh, we also kind of uh, meditated with the children. Sometimes they just fall asleep on our lap. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, it became quite natural for them. And, that's awesome. You know, yeah, that's awesome. But like, I think Guruji talks about, um, we haven't even started the minute yet. We're probably 10, 15 minutes in. But Guru um, Guruji talks about like I think some of the best work that we can do is is work on the inner self through you know self realization, um, and we affect others just by like osmosis, you know, by the by the field and uh, through 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 means that we cannot see by by our eyes, right? And that's that's awesome. Uh, that you know the kids fall asleep on your lap and do, do you know do that in meditation they're probably benefiting a great deal uh, yeah nice yeah i mean you mentioned uh, the prayer before food lunch and dinner i think you said do you remember it for listeners who don't know it can you recite it for us oh in we have a german one oh, okay i'll do the english one or well, mike do you want to do it i could uh... no no let me, um, uh, let me do the, uh, the english <laughs> the english long one yep go for it Let's, let's see, um, receive this food, make it holy, let no impurity of greed defile it. The food comes from thee, it is for thy temple, spiritualize it, spirit to spirit goes. We are the petals of thy manifestation, thou art the flower, its life, beauty and loveliness. Permeate our souls with the fragrance of thy presence. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is, is that the same as your... German translation one. And what's the shortened version, Mike? <laughs> I don't think the shortened version exists in German though. So that's why I sometimes well, we, tend we to do it one. tend we, to do it in, in English. <laughs> yeah, we, we have one, Mike. Maybe you remember from, from the children's retreat that we used to have. Ah, Lass um, deinen Segen über dieses Essen Segen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love that one actually. <laughs> Blessings. Um, how would you translate that? Um, yeah, let it blow over, blow over the food. Let blow the, over the food. Yeah. 
That's right. Um, yeah, the the uh, the short one is um, uh, how does it start? Give us food. Yeah, Heavenly Father, give us food, health, and prosperity for the body, mm-hmm. efficiency for the mind, and above all, Thy love and wisdom for the soul. Um, peace. Amen. That's how that goes. So for those who don't do that prayer, I highly recommend it before food. It uh, changes your culinary experience, does it not, guys? Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. Right. With that, without further ado, let's <laughs> go to the minute in question. Right. So we have the narrator speaking at the very start. And he says, this is Anupam Kira saying, he says, Sometimes I used to lapse into the consciousness of my true spirit. Right, guys, tell us your thoughts on that. Uh, It's quite a profound statement. It's something that's easily glossed over when you're watching the movie, but uh, think about it. Sometimes I I used to lapse into the consciousness of my true spirit. Has any one of us uh, done such a thing or experienced such a thing? I'm afraid not. I I think this is a bit, I'm a bit envious of Guruji here because just, he says it so casually, like a lapse into the consciousness of my true spirit, which I assume is the consciousness of his soul being one with God on, uh, on, on this, on this level on interiorized. Um, And if this just happens to you in and out, I mean, it happens to you because you are an avatar, right? It doesn't happen to you randomly. So I think that's, I, I like that he says that so casually, but it must have been an interesting experience in his childhood when he was immersed in, in creation, you know, in being a human, being incarnated. And then he suddenly has those lapses of being an omnipotent being and, and that fading in and out must be an amazing experience. Yeah, for for me, whenever I heard it, it, it's amazing how powerful Maya really is, you know, and Guruji talks about that, um, how you can get easily distracted, let's say, from Maya, you know, he, he saw many, many visions in his lifetime. But then when actually he was living these things, they were so real to him, and he talked about them as essentially a dream you know it's all you know the, the movie reel on god's screen um he, he talked about it that way uh and and you know for somebody as powerful as yogananda uh to almost kind of get wrapped up in in, in life at times you know I'm, it kind of strikes me that way when he says as he lapses into his true self um is a bit it gives me solace actually <laughs> To, to be perfectly honest, it kind of gives me a little bit of solace hearing him say that, um, as well as inspiring. Um, to your point, Mike, like I haven't certainly haven't had that experience, um, but you know, I I think we all would desire to have that experience of hearing him say it uh, and sharing it in such a sweet way um, is is pretty awesome. Um, but to, to to me, you know, I, I think a lot of us, and we're going to talk about this later in the in the episode. Um, <clears throat> about the Kali Yugas and or so the, the Yugas, it's even hard to grasp, you know. And I can I can kind of understand what he's saying by the words, but to understand the depth of uh, of the significance is, is you know uh, maybe beyond me at this point in time to be to be honest. But 
maybe Hammond, you uh, have have more insights. You know, <clears throat> what you what you just said is um, is so true. You know, it's I was just reflecting on it. What what you said that we we take it so uh, we take it first. At first, it sounds like a like a sentence. You know, he's just lapsed into the consciousness and so on. And the more I think about it, it is really is it is another sign of his um, of this greatness, which is just there. You know, and he's sharing it with us, and it is unbelievable, actually. Yeah. Just, that, just that simple sentence, you know, is not simple at all. Mm. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah, it's like he the, the way he talks about it is, um, sorry, Yogananda talks about um, Sri Yukteswar training him to mm -hmm. be able to read the Bhagavad Gita and just interpret through intuition. And, you know, the, this this word or this sentence that he has, you could logically break it down and say, okay, well, this means X, Y, Z, but intuitively, do you really know? And it's the knowing and it's the truth uh, that is it's kind of there, kind of reaching for it. You know, it's, it's yeah. inspiring that you want to reach for it. But yeah, he does it so subtly, so so um, peacefully, I'd, I'd say. There's no there's no drama. There's no ego to it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just there. It's pure wisdom. And and it's it's yeah, it's wonderful to think about it. And it's um, yeah, ah, starts this yearning, I think. Should say, yeah. isn't it? That um, in a desire to to get there and to to join mm -hmm. him. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and to make matters more fascinating, this this is him narrating as a child. <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine, uh, yeah, you can imagine from what state he was born in, let alone mm -hmm. after his uh, experience in cosmic consciousness, from which he never left, I suppose from Nirupiti Kalpa Samadhi. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. We're, we're going to hear it pretty soon uh, as to how that might be possible in a sense, right? Uh, you know, how, how you could come into this life so enlightened. So. Yes. I scoured the autobiography of a yogi for such experiences that he had uh, uh may have written about and I, I recollected two and I'll, I'll narrate them unless one of you want to have you got the mic card Chris or Mike yeah I can, uh, I can Mike if you read the second one first so we made the pill we made a pilgrimage sure um, we made a pilgrimage to an ancient uh, to an ancient Srinagar temple dedicated to Swami Shankara as I gazed upon the mountain peak hermitage bold against the sky I fell into an ecstatic trance a vision appeared of a hilltop mansion in a distant land. The lofty Shankara temple in Srinagar became transformed into the edifice where years later, I established Self-Realization Fellowship headquarters in America. When I first visited Los Angeles in California and saw the large building on the crest of Mount Washington, I recognized it at once from my long past visions in Kashmir and elsewhere. So it would appear that when he goes into such states, uh, not only is he no doubt in the state of bliss, uh, one can only guess that level of bliss, but he also has uh, visions of the past perhaps and the distant future, which is what he's uh, kind of alluding to there, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, but uh, yeah, so this I like this uh, section of the um, autobiography because it uh, it kind of feels right for the minute because he's on on in this minute is the young Yogananda and he's um, he's on the, he's like on some nook of a Himalayan mountain and just looking out into the beautiful uh, majestic scenery of the Himalayas. Yeah, it, I feel like this is. Um the essence of being in tune with master or being in tune with God, that then you will, you will, you will see what the right thing is to do with your life. And he kind of was constantly guided by divine mother in the right directions. And he went to Srinagar to see a beautiful temple. And she told him, by the way, you will one day be in America and have this amazing place there. And I'll show it to you now. So <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great, right? Yes, it is. Chris, any reflections? Or you want to read the first, uh, my first example on the card? Yeah, I, 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 can, I, can, I can read them. Maybe we can reflect a bit more. Um, so yeah, my second test was connected with the fact that just before I went upstairs to her room uh, and Craig, maybe you can. Yeah, so this is the this is the chapter. This is the chapter where he visits the Saint Teresa Neumann. Teresa Neumann. Um, yep. Yes, so he's he's about to go see her, and uh, this is a description of what uh, what he says. Yeah, yeah. So Teresa Neumann, for anybody who's listening or doesn't know, uh, is uh, I suppose would you say herself a saint? In, in, yeah. In a... So she's a Christian stigmatist, or was. So yeah, so you can read all about her in the autobiography in a quite a epic chapter, I suppose. Yeah, and and uh, Yogananda went and visited her and, and, and maybe a few others in his trip uh, yeah. through Europe and, and India. So, um, yeah, and he, yeah, and he says this. And he says this, yeah, just for context. So I put myself into a yogic trance state in order to attain telepathic and televisional rapport with her. I entered her chamber filled with visitors. She was lying in a white robe on the bed with Mr. Wright close behind me. I halted just inside the threshold, awestruck at a strange and most frightful spectacle. And yes. So this, um, so this, he, he defines in the autobiography a bit later, he says he wanted to connect with her so he could experience what she was experiencing during the, uh, during during her her own Theresa Neumann's own trance and why you know pilgrims used to come and see her, so um, yeah, so that's uh, that's another state of his uh, being able to uh, go into that state, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think I recall he was going there just to kind of see if it was true or not. Right, he had heard all these stories, and he kind of went wanted to go there, and he had put himself in the trance. And maybe I'm making this up, obviously, fact check on this listeners, but uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, he went there and he, and he went into this state just to see if, you know, if what, what was going on was real. And, and that was pretty cool to, to, to my mind um, uh, because, you know, he had the mastery over himself just to kind of call people on their, on their rubbish, you know. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hammond, Sorry, please. Um, Mike, maybe you remember um, in 2004, I think, we had a New Year's retreat where we both went to Theresa Neumann, to Connorsreuth, uh -huh. and uh, we had the privilege to meet also with the mayor of the town, who happened to be a young child when Guruji arrived in Connorsreuth in 1935. 
Yeah. And he was he, he was so old, right? Yeah. He was so old, yeah. And yeah. he shared with us his personal um, you know, um moments when mm -hmm. he saw that Ford car <laughs> during this the, the, <laughs> the village and how you know how how um, amazing it was for him to to see and then this automobile and then you know a strange looking man with long hair was stepping out and you know obviously he had no knowledge about who he was and what he had to do there and why he came but just being a young boy he could he he had some memories about that and um chris what you said yeah that's what i heard as well you know that um I, I could fact check it for you now. Let's <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <that's> not. <laughs> Mike, any any reflections? How was the? Wow, that's quite interesting. You guys uh, met someone who has in the flesh seen Guruji. She's, a, she's only, a the only person that I've met is Merlini Mata. That uh, well, I didn't meet her. I saw her on the stage. So you guys are quite privileged. <laughs> yes, I mean she's a terror. Therese of Connorsreuth is a big deal in Germany, especially in the Catholic scene. Um, and in the state where Hammond is from in Bavaria, she's like a national saint kind of. And um, so when, when I also grew up in Bavaria for my first six years, so I got to hear about her a lot. And it, I think it also meant a lot to German devotees that they read about her in the autobiography of a yogi. Um, and of course you go there and it's a very sacred place. You know, you, she lived such a simple life, you know, that she had like no luxury. She had this tiny little place there, uh, but, and, but she was uh, revered during her lifetime. You know, there were some miracles happening around her. She was, she was born blind and then she regained her eyesight. And then she had those stigmatas. And then um, I can only imagine how, when a bunch of Americans with an Indian Swami come by into rolling into small town. <laughs> that must have been quite a scene, must have been a great experience. In her in her trances, she used to experience the crucifixion. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And she was bleeding from the in the same areas yeah. where Christ yeah. was when he was on the cross. Yeah, the stigmatas. Yeah. Really uh, quite a horrific uh, to imagine imagine such a scene, isn't it? Um, yeah, and, and you you know there is even something more to add. Uh, um, you know, when, when Guruji came there, when he arrived in Connorsreuth, she wasn't there at first. Yeah. So um, they came there and, and then they, they were looking for her. And then the locals said, ah, she's, uh, she's in Eichstätt, which is another city, a very small city at the Danube River, I think it is. Um, oh, no, sorry. It's not at the Danube. It's, it's another small river that becomes also that, that leads into the Danube at some point. And uh, where she was together with this Catholic priest mike do you remember his name no but th there is a picture of him and master and Therese neumann i think isn't it also i think that's the picture. i think it's in the autobiography isn't it isn't is it, it? Yeah. or we've well, actually yeah, it's quite a popular image if it's not in the autobiography yeah. thing, I, I recall seeing yeah it. I, I think i think so too um and um so when, then later on they came back you know maybe a day or so and um th there's a funny story because they're the only srf ashram uh, outside the United States happens to be in Nuremberg. And uh, during my, well, how should I say, not childhood, but during my, my student time, I studied in a city close to Nuremberg. And uh, when we visited the ashram, we always tried to figure out, you know, which road the master must have taken to reach Connorsreuth. And uh, we always came to the same conclusion that he must have passed the, 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 um, the property that now is the SRF ashram in Nuremberg. 
And uh, we wondered if he would have stood by, you know, looked at this property and thought something similar to what he said to Mount Washington, you know, like thinking like, well, at some point in the far future, I know I will have an ashram here for nuns, you know, a porcelain ashram. These kind of okay. thoughts, I don't know, maybe they okay. make sense. Okay. <laughs> May I take it to one romantic level state further? Perhaps <laughs> yeah. he walked past, he liked to look at the building and touch the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and from that point forward, the butterfly effect led to that beautiful ashram being created. I like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> You know, this is this is guys. This wasn't scripted, so I just, as a tangent, happened to talk about this uh, Theresa Neumann, and Heaven has got such beautiful experiences of, <laughs> of this example. Is what a fantastic uh, play that master sometimes directs us for. So the third and final example I would like to share. Uh, I'm not going to share it myself. Uh, Sister Brimamoy is going to share it because she shared this uh, talk during the convocation in 2020. So let me just play that for you. So she's talking about when Master was a boy with his friend and he would encourage his young friends to uh, meet with his spiritual ambitions, I suppose. And this is what she says. Deep into the night, the two boys meditated and sang devotional songs filled with yearning Guruji's face radiated a perceptible glow as he chanted songs and prayers to Lord Krishna. But toward morning, the other boy began to feel discouraged. Guruji said to his friend, we mustn't give up, concentrate more deeply. He must answer the call of our souls. After another period of renewed effort, his friend sighed dejectedly and said, there's no hope, it's almost dawn. Let's go and get some sleep. But our guru was filled with unshakable determination and faith. He said, even if I die sitting here, I won't move until God comes. Then suddenly, Guruji experienced the sweet ecstasy of the vision. He cried out, I see him, I see Krishna. But his friend couldn't see. So Guruji reached out his hand and placed it over the heart of his friend, transferring the beatific vision. Then tears of love and joy flowed from both boys, humbly, they bowed to Sri Krishna. Bhagavan Krishna smiled and raised his hands in blessing. So we see here Guruji's deep love for Sri Krishna and also his spiritual determination. And we see how Lord Krishna ever responds to the call of our hearts, of our devotion, our yearning for God's presence. Right. What a beautiful story. From I think that's from Medita, isn't it? And yes, yeah, so that's the third uh, example I'd like to uh, just quickly um, go over. What do you guys think? Just her voice is like, 
making you feel calm and interiorized, very peaceful. And the story is, I mean, it's <clears throat> about this determination that you need to see God. Like I think I talked to brother Muktimata one time and she said, like, you can't see God. You just have to mean business with God. You know, you don't play games. You have to go all the way. And I think that's an example of that. And then sitting next to master and he puts his hand on your heart. That's amazing. I, I would have liked to be there. I, <laughs> I, this, I think that's a good visualization. You know, when you meditate, visualize master sitting next to you, putting his hand on your heart. I think that that's just and kind, kind of a nice imagery of how the guru is helping you to reach God. Yeah, it reminds me um, of other stories of, you know, great saints that have become realized that it wasn't until the moment that they sat and said that they would, you know, they weren't going to move until they knew God. And, and you know, the, these, these uh, stories, you know, go around and, and the principles really is the willpower. And like you said, Mike, to mean business. And so many times, you know, personally, I can share, you know, I sat there and thought, right, I'm going to sit here and then, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of getting late, you know, and I'm tired and, oh, you know, actually I've got work in the morning and, you know, all, all the bits and pieces kick in. And um, so often, you know, we, we, we lack that fortitude really. So um, for him to, for him to do it resolutely is uh, such an inspiration. Uh, yeah. It's an awesome story. So. Any reflections? Yeah, well, it, re it reminds me of the two frogs in trouble, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I just wonder, you know, honestly, so many questions come to my mind now <laughs> since I'm sitting together with you guys. This is fabulous. I love it. <laughs> because, you, know, you, you read all these stories, you hear it uh, many times, so to speak, you know, but you never really think about it. And now that we are sitting together and um, you have, um, you, you just quoted this beautiful part uh, from Mechta, it's uh, first time I get this connection in my mind. Well, that's pretty similar to what I just, uh, you know, read sometimes for my my kids. You know, the two frogs in trouble, determination. How mm. important is never give up. You never, never give up. And uh, we know there is one monastic who is also having this as a mantra, and um, it's really cool and encouraging. Um, yeah, wonderful. Which monastic are you thinking of? Mm. I I think he means Brother Achananda, right? Uh, he, he, he keeps yeah. saying, keep on keeping on, right? Keep on keeping yeah. on, yes. <laughs> yes, Brother Prafulananda told me that as well. I was, um, okay. yeah, I was, uh, I was asking him about um, mm -hmm. some troubles I was ha having in my meditations. And he's just, yeah, that's what he said. And I thought, wow, it just feels like master saying to me directly. It was mm. really beautiful. I, I would, after all these years, you know, I would almost say that it's one of the key, um, the key, uh, how you say it, um, the key qualities you need to have um, on that path is to never give up. Doesn't matter what happens, you know, it doesn't matter how frustrating it may get at some point. Ah, doesn't matter. We just go on forward, you know, and we'll we'll reach the goal eventually. Yeah. Has has anyone? made this kind of effort that master often made where you sit down and you're like i'm not getting, i'm not getting up god gurus i am not getting up till i experience I, something of your divinity we, we did something 
interesting once in the in the Vienna um I remember <laughs> uh, meditation group we 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 made a it was more like a meditation contest you, like you would sit down <laughs> you would sit down and whoever can stay the longest wins kind of it, it wasn't really like a competitive race but that's what it turned out you know how it is right you sit there you can't mm -hmm. move and we ended up sitting there until late in the night um and i did not have a a, a vision unfortunately or uh but but i and I, I don't think this is really the right way to go about mm -hmm. this, but I that we were young and we tried this stuff out. <laughs> and you never know, you know, you never yeah. know. Maybe you haven't seen yeah. anything with your with your um, bodily eyes, you yeah. know. But intuitively, I'm sure, Master was always there, and you know the blessings you receive in these moments. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you just never know, really, do you? So mm -hmm. keep on going. I think one of my favorite. Um, I, I don't know what if you would call it a saying or what, what you would say is, but saints uh, are sinners who never give up. Mm. And I just love that. Love uh, you know, I think that's so yeah. good. Love it. And um, <clears throat> we shared recently um, uh, through one, one of the SRF members uh, that God, uh, I can't, it was one of the brothers, so I can't, I can't recall the name, but uh, somebody might actually know, and I, I copied him. He, he, he said that he, he wrote down a message that he, he put up on, on his mirror that he read every to himself every morning when he was brushing his, his teeth. And it says, uh, God loves me, his child, as much as he loves Krishna, Jesus, and his great saints. And I, I actually have this written here to, to remind me when, when I'm working here. It's constantly sitting there looking at me. And, you know, it is such a key takeaway, isn't it? Like, persistence, don't ever give up. And, you know, Jesus, you know, himself uh, and Krishna and whoever else you know these great saints god loves you as much as he, he loves them and uh yeah they never give up and they are where they are today and i think jesus you know getting baptized <clears throat> um by what uh, is guruji says was his guru in a past life john john the baptist and john the baptist said to him like well i'm not worthy to baptize you you're you know you're jesus jesus christ you're 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 realized and, and he said well you know no, uh, yeah, you know, you are, and, and Yogananda um, taught us to kind of partner with him in a sense that we should see this as, as a, you know, holy eternal partnership with, with our guru, um, that, you know, through persistence, we can achieve what he can achieve, uh, and yeah, such a blessing, really, so... There's so many, it's funny, like we, every, we, we kind of check ourselves every single week, like, yeah, maybe we're going to talk about it for half an hour this week. But with every single sentence, there's like infinite depth of Absolutely. inspiration to take. So, All right. <clears throat> Let's go to the uh, next uh, section. So now we have the next part of the narration, which he says, clear recollections came to me of a distant life in which I had been a yogi amid the Himalayan snows. Clear recollections came to me of a distant life in which I had been a yogi amid the Himalayan snows. So uh, I think Master is very connected to this vision because <clears throat> he, um, he was always attracted to go to the Himalayas, wasn't he? There were so many stories and you know, failed attempts of him going to... Uh, going going to the himalayas and trying to 
trying to go there when he was young, etc. So what, what do you guys uh, think of past records? So some people try and force the past life analysis and uh, don't they? What do you think? I think I've said it in the previous episode. Uh, again, you know, we, we've, we've got many blessings, but among them is uh, the ability to remember and the ability to forget. <laughs> I'm pretty happy, you know, uh, I, I don't think necessarily, you know, I'm, I'm not rushing into knowing my previous lives. I think I, I have everything that I need today. And um, whilst, the, you know, the ego flirts with the idea that it sure would be great and fun and all the rest of it, it's, it's, something that I don't really want to mess with until it's gifted, you know, if and when it might be gifted to me that I need to know something and it's, and it, and it showed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I know people who seers who might be able to, you know, tell you something and somebody's, you know, even shared something with me and it was very much a kind of, I don't really know, no, you know, think about, think I need to know this and, <laughs> I would, I would hazard to say, I think everybody here is probably in the same boat, but correct me if I'm wrong. Mike? Yeah, I, 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 it's probably not so beneficial to know your past lives, but Guruji had this really strong connection with the Himalayas. And it is said to be the place, you know, after the Battle of Kurukshetra, where the Pandavas went. And, and it's also always the place where the, the great yogis are where Babaji is supposed to be, right? And I can totally picture Guruji having an incarnation of a, being a, a yogi in the Himalayas. Um, and I, I find it funny how he, he um, didn't have the karma to go there for so long. As a child, he was trying to go and he was not allowed to. <laughs> and then it finally happened. And of course, then he, he, had, he had visions and the past lives they catch up with him because I feel like this barrier that we all have that blocks us from seeing our past lives, it wasn't really there for him because as an avatar, you can see everything. Hammond? Yeah, <clears throat> can only agree. You know, um, I think probably also everyone at some point in his life had the, had the um, desire to know a little bit about this past. But then um, slowly but steady, probably also understood that it also comes great knowledge comes with great responsibility, as some people say. <laughs> and um, once once you know what's uh, what, what what you did in the past, maybe that's also not for your benefit. You know, <laughs> sometimes it's better to leave things as they are. Um, and I think the master was probably also he he was so attracted, not attracted. That's not the right word, but you know, I just remember that. Isn't it even said somewhere that he wants to reincarnate in the Himalaya as a yogi? 200 years after his Mahasamadhi, I don't remember correctly the, the quote, but there's something that I think I read somewhere that um, he mentioned that when he will come back, he will be again in the Himalaya. So I think this is a strong connection between him and the Himalaya. <laughs> that is... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it was sad, Guru, in, you know, in this lifetime, I heard talk about, um, you know, people, when people uh, people talk about saints, you know, in this kind of saintly path that you immediately think, oh, you know, what rubbish, like, you know, they're just going to run off to the Himalayas and do nothing but meditate out there. Um, and, you know, there's many, many different, you know, uh, points to make on this. And one is pretty, pretty beneficial, I'd, I'd say, to, to humankind for that to actually happen. But 
you know, the, the other one to Mike's point, you know, you can't just do that. You know, it's not karmically kind of, uh, how do you say, it's, uh, yeah, you, you're, you're, you don't have the bank balance, you know, to, to be able just to go off and meditate um, as, as a mere human. Um, we, we have many paths that we have to, to, to lead and um, to, to balance our karma before we can do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, that is, is for the very, very few and far between and for Yogananda to be part of that ilk and to come back here. And there's many stories um, in, uh, uh, in, in the autobiography that we can mention, actually. I, I can mention one now. Uh, was okay. when uh, he, Yogananda was, was young, you know, as Makunda, you know, he, he was sick and uh, he was healed by looking at Lirin Mahesha's uh, picture. Mm -hmm. uh, and afterwards he, he had visions um, uh, of, of beings and, and he asked them who they were and, and they said, we are the Himalayan yogis. Uh, and this was, you know, after, uh, so, or sometime after that, I believe, and his, his mother passed and um, there was a message delivered by, I think it was his brother, um, who reluctantly kind of gave it to him. And it was uh, that whenever uh, Makinda was there, sick, lying, lying in sort of, on his, sick, uh, on his deathbed, uh, when, when he had the vision, his mother made a note and said that your little face was illuminated, your voice rang with iron resolve as you spoke of going to the Himalayas in quest of the divine. And that is a pretty awesome experience to have recorded and you know, delivered to by, by, your, by your mother through your brother. Um, True. So, you know, he, he was always in touch I don't think he ever really left in some respects. So, very nice. Yes. Uh, then we have um, we have uh, the it's like a hazy image of the Himalayas, as I mentioned, and then there's there's also eyes that come into focus on the middle of the screen, ocean, that ocean scene with the birds that are there, and then and then we have this saying from. Sister Prima Mai, who we just heard, and she says he also had visions of seeing his guru. So you wouldn't know that that was Sister Prima Mai, but you do now because I played you her voice from Convocation, and I'd highly recommend you listen to her doing that three-hour kirtan because it was uh, really fantastic. But Sister Prima Mai, let me tell you a little bit about her. She has been a Self-Realization Fellowship nun for nearly 30 years. She lives and serves at the SRF International Headquarters in LA. So she's this, yeah, her, as Heman says, her voice is absolutely beautiful. I think Mike said it. Uh, but her chanting voice is uh, angelic, angelic as I would uh, describe it. So it's absolutely beautiful. Um, but yeah, so let's let's go back to what, to what she says. Uh, so she says um, clear visions of of his guru, right? So, and we have a faint image of Sri Yukteswar in the background. What do you guys make of that uh, nice little touch? That's the first time we see Sri Yukteswar in the movie. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, those images of the Himalayas are beautiful. Like when I saw those, I was like, I want, this must be one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, then also, the day of our recording is the birthday of Swami Sri Yukteswar. Ah, so. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> Jay Guru. Jay Guru. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, lastly, 
I mean, that there, there's a whole chapter in the autobiography about um, Guruji meeting Sri Yukteswar. And it was such a meaningful encounter, right? Like he said he had a thousand visions of him before mm -hmm. he, before he um, actually met him. And then when he actually met him, you know, his feet couldn't move. He was trying to go the other way, but he couldn't. He could only walk mm -hmm. towards... Well, Go, the, go through that in very heavy detail, Mike, in a later minute. So. All right. <laughs> all right. Okay. I'm not going to spoil it all, but mm -hmm. this, is a, this is just one of the most meaningful things that happened, mm -hmm. you know, and I think this is, he, he makes such a big deal out of this because this is meaningful for us as well, mm -hmm. because we find our guru and then with loyalty and determination, we go all the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was awesome looking at it. Um, it's actually a really good picture. Again, um, you know, unless anybody knows, um, where did this picture come from um, in, in, in particular? Because it just looks, it's like a smoldering intensity, isn't it? That he's, he's just kind of staring into your soul and, uh, you know, when it kind of comes across in the mountainside, you can kind of feel his presence next to you. Um, and I've always thought, you know, Sri Yukteswar looks quite stern, you know, he's, he's, uh, is he's the avatar of wisdom? Is that is, um, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, avatar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The avatar of wisdom. And uh, I just thought that um, you know, experiencing what Yogananda experienced was a blessing. But damn, it must have been hard because Yogananda talked about how Sri Yukteswar uh, uprooted every you know thread of of ego that he had left in him. And at times it was, it was, um, it, it was tough, and and uh, yeah, he, he he looks like a stern but you know lo loving kind of kind of guy, you know. So yeah, it's it's awesome when it, when I see this, it just get flooded with, you know, kind of emotion actually when it, when I see this picture. So it's lovely for me. Hammond. Yeah, also from a technical point of view, you know, I <laughs> since we just I just saw it a couple couple moments ago. Um, this take, I, it always touches my heart, you know, in my soul when I see these image, uh, images and, and pictures merging to or blurring into, uh, into each other. I don't know the yes. technical term <laughs> yeah. for it, but I think it blurs into each other. Ah, it's fantastic. And then with the sound, you know, it really wants you to be there as well and just melt in. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, it's really well done and, and very nice and very, um, yeah, touching. Yeah, that picture of Sri Yukteswar is uh, quite scary for me. <laughs> As Chris uh, mentioned, um, he's obviously got quite a stern. He must be. Well, we know he was quite a strict disciplinarian in in the ashram, and uh, I don't know. Whatever, <laughs> I just don't want to get on the wrong side of Sri Yukteswar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so he's a no nonsense kind of guru. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can just imagine like your your like your best and worst teacher, the one that gets the most out of you. You know, when you were a child, and that's for me. That's where, what that that picture kind of reminds me. And whenever I see Yukteswar, or no, half the time that's what I see, and then I'm like, oh no. Let me finish my meditation to the full. Let me sit in yeah. silence for 15 minutes as I'm supposed <laughs> to after the meditation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stillness. Guru Jesus, um, I think, I think uh, you know, there's some of the songs that I chant is probably some of the more harsher words that I might ever speak. It's, um, you know, you did not meditate. You did not concentrate. Yeah. Um, I, but uh, he, he, he was, uh, Yogananda, or is, uh, 
so gentle, isn't he? And so soft. And, and his recounting of Sri Yukteswar is, you know, he, he's really, he, he was a razor blade you know, of, of action, um, which, which is awesome. I actually, I'm really, you know, we talked about it in, a, in an earlier episode uh, that um, the lineage of, of gurus of SRF, like you can be affiliated with uh, not, not simply just Yogananda, but, but all of them, they're alive and real. And I, I'm very, very drawn to Sri Yukteswar. It probably tells you something about my own discipline <laughs> and, and the need of it. So. <laughs> nice. Very cool. The next, um, the next scene we see, so then it just gets, gets back into the hustle and bustle of uh, the pilgrimage that our two uh, monks are taking. Um, so uh, Brother Vishwananda. And um, at the time, uh, Brahmachari, uh, what is his name? Um, someone remind me. Shekhar? Yeah, Brahmachari Shekhar at the time, yeah, who's now um, a brother. But yeah, so we see them in, in a cab uh, or being driven. And uh, so a nice touch, I thought. Uh, so the cab driver obviously must not, or the, tr the car driver must not have been um, SRF, but he... Some, someone had put a picture of Yogananda on the dashboard. No doubt it was a director or the, um, <laughs> or, or one of the, or the one of the monks. Um, but if you look, um, and this is quite uh, typical of uh, India, actually, that they're, they're usually whoever your own lineage is, you pay the most importance to that lineage. And the cab, the, the car driver was uh, no doubt a um, devotee of the Ramakrishna Paramahansa lineage because he had a picture of him and a picture of Vivekananda and uh, Sarada Devi and the Kali Mata uh, shrine in uh, Dakshineshwar temple. So he had the, that lineage there and I thought that was quite a nice, um, nice touch. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, have, mm. we have our monks talking and uh, Get trying to I suppose get to the next place they're going to on their journey. Then we have an Indian lady carrying like ten bricks on her head. That's again very typical of a construction worker in India. I don't know if you've been to India, Hemond, but uh, you may have you have you been? Yeah. 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 Have you seen Have you seen Indian ladies without any PPE or helmets carrying bricks on their head in that way? I have seen so many things in India. <laughs> I have seen you know we when we traveled to the Himalaya. Um, maybe I can share another, well, it's not really a secret, but um, the last travel that um, the now Brahmachari Tony did uh, before he became a monastic, um, as an SRF monastic, um, and I don't know if you if you ever had the chance to talk to Brahmachari Tony in, no. in California, yeah. Mike, Mike you're, 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 you know him, um, we, both, we both studied at the same university, you know, in, in Bavaria, and uh, we were in this, attending the same meditation group in Nuremberg. And uh, the, the funny thing is that we, we uh, had a, a pilgrimage to India and we uh, went on a hiking tour through the Himalayas and uh, visited Babaji's cave and um, Varahat and all the places you know you need to know, so to speak. And uh, we have seen a couple, and that was a running gag at some point, we saw a couple of ladies with big, big uh, bunches of wood on their backs. And sometimes these, these oh, how, how shall I describe it? It was it, it was more like a walking bush, you know, so huge piles of, of firewood basically that you couldn't even see the legs anymore of the lady who was carrying it. And so we, we sometimes we called it the walking bush or bushes, you know, and it's like it's the same thing with the bricks. Um, 
it looks like in India, they are so practical at some point um, and so tough and so strong, these women, you know, great, great strength. And uh, they do everything they need to sustain the family. And it's, that's, wow, fantastic sometimes to see. You know, it makes you wonder what the men are doing. <laughs> these families, but I don't want to get into that direction. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> but um, no, I have, I'm, I'm quite, quite familiar to some extent with a picture of women carrying big loads of uh, not just like material things, but also, um, you know, burden, family, responsibility. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they do it, they do it with a lot of elegance yeah, <laughs> without exactly. showing any strain. Yeah. Um, the story always fits them perfectly well. Yeah. Yeah. Even once they're doing that heavy lifting labor, she's wearing a sari, you know. Yeah. With a bit mm -hmm. of dignity and grace. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. I I uh, you know been born in Northern Ireland and <clears throat> part of the UK mm -hmm. my whole life. Only only really visiting parts of, of Europe have been this has been uh, a sheltered uh, upbringing to some extent, but going to Brazil, it's maybe similar to, to India uh, in some, some respects that uh, there is uh, some construction work going on at my fiance's uh, house and, and they were bringing in bags of concrete. Now, me being, uh, you know, will, willful, willful idiot, ran up and said, let me help. And um, some of the guys were carrying it on their heads. And I looked at this thing and I, I wasn't sure how much it weighed, but... Um, somebody plumped it on the head and it turned out it was 50 kg. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably about half an inch shorter, but I mean, there's a real, there's a, there's a real skill because the guys, the other guys were walking, you know, with, with a bag and even, even more in their head and uh, they, they weren't even, you know, using their hands. So uh, there's a real skill and, and elegance to it, just as you said there, Priyam. Um, when, I, when I looked at this lady, I just, my, my spine kind of, I kind of had a stretch a little bit just just from the memory of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so let's go to the next uh, next section now the last section so we have a couple of uh, blurry images so we have footsteps a uh, camera of, of people taking taking footsteps uh, and then there's and then it merges into boats on on the river uh, which is interesting, but uh, I guess they're trying to convey a journey, perhaps uh, hard work, determination, all that good stuff. But then Brother Vishwananda comes onto the shot um, and he says, <clears throat> throughout the ages, there have been mystics who come with special knowledge that helps us understand our place in the universe. Yogananda was born at the dawn of the atomic age when modern physics would shatter our most basic beliefs about the nature of the reality and pave the way for an ancient and hidden teaching to be received by many. Mike, tell us your reflections. You are an atomic guy. Sure, yes, yes. <laughs> Some call me nuclear. No, I, <laughs> no, I, I, I think that the, there's so much... Um, there's so much wisdom in, in what he's saying, right? Because when you when you look at, um, we are at this time now, we came from Kali, we went to Dwapara Yuga, and a lot of things have changed as, as Brother Vishwananda has said, right? So we, we start developing all kinds of machines. We start noticing about ourselves that we are not just this body, but like in the last episode, Deepak Chopra mentioned there's an electric field that surrounds our body and we can measure moods. Like we are essentially 
energy beings, right? In a in in a um, a material shell in a material body. So that needs with this being able with our minds being able to understand this now a new guru can come and explain things to us in this new vocabulary that we have learned in the past like three four hundred years and it, it it kind of moves us to the next level it has a lot of consequences as well i feel like the things that you needed to do in kali yuga to get ahead spiritually they are not enough anymore now in the age of energy we need to be more aware of our own energy and it, it it all becomes a bit more subtle and all this is kind of um in this in in those three sentences that brother vishwananda says that's that's all in there basically and i um i don't want to talk too much about the yugas but uh this is this is basically um the the kind of um thing that kind of um uh pre pre kind of explains why um guruji had to come now at this time because we are at an, in a new time and so this is why we need everything explained to us again sadly yeah i meant it's about yeah i'm i'm nodding and <laughs> it's uh, it's basically this this particular time of transition isn't it and we can be so thankful that we have him or have his teaching and him as well, obviously, um, to help us to to get into it, into the next phase of of the of the of, of this um, cycle. You know, Dwapara Yuga, all these changes. And I, I sometimes, when you look outside the window, literally, sometimes even, um, you can still see some reminiscence from the old ages. And now we're in the higher age, in a in a higher age. And still, you know, this time of transition, sometimes it feels like we're not yet completely through it. <laughs> I don't know about the overlapping um, years. Mike, you probably know much better about that <laughs> than me. You're nodding as well, cool. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, it's, well, for me, when I when I heard that um, from, from Brother Vishwananda, I thought, wow, it's so good. Also a good re reminder um, how important it was that Master came during these days to help us, you know, as a mankind, um, to uplift ourselves by practicing the teachings, doing the kriya. Ah, my goodness! Um, don't even want to think about how life would be without. <laughs> Chris, yeah, it's it's a pretty cool, um, pretty pretty cool sentence, and I think really, you know, to give it its full. Uh, credit you would probably spend like an entire <laughs> podcast or multiple just trying to get into and uh if, if anybody hasn't read the holy science book by uh Sri Yukteswar, i mean that's something you, you could you could probably spend a lifetime studying when it talks about it um and you know we, i highly recommend anybody to, to jump into it did um, you read it chris because uh i actually i come from an engineering background and i tried to read it and i gave up after about three pages <laughs> yeah i, I, I did actually yeah i did oh, good. probably my my um i don't, I don't know I've, I've got uh an ability to kind of glaze over the more <laughs> 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 that's probably what got me through it um no i i, th I think like you can get super technical um and, and read into it and, and study it and i think one of the devotees that um in London uh, did just that. He's actually writing a book 
on the book, you know, to wow. kind of break it down and, and study it. So it's it could be a lifetime. And I think what's really awesome, what Mike just said, we're seeing the transition, you know, before our eyes, so to speak. Um, and, and there's, I'll just read out this, this paragraph in, in, in the book, um, you know, about uh, uh, 1600 AD, William Gilbert discovered magnetic forces and observed the presence of electricity in all material substances. And in 1609, uh, Kelper discovered important laws of astronomy and Gale uh, Galileo uh, produced the telescope. And in 1621, Treble of Holland invented the microscope. About 1670, Newton discovered the law of gravitation. In 1700, Thomas uh, Savery made use of the steam engine uh, to, to raise water. And 20 years later, Stephen Curry discovered the action of electricity on the human body. And we're, we're just discovering, you know, humankind, we're discovering more things about ourselves and about nature that takes it away from the gross understanding of material. Uh, and that is all we are, you know, the human body is flesh and um, this Newtonian way of thinking, it's evolving into the more Einsteinian way of thinking that everything is energy. So it's a real beautiful transition that's, that's happening. And um, yeah, it, it's choppy, I think. <laughs> the point. But I, I, I think uh, there's in 18, it said in 1899 on completion of the period of 200 years of Dwapar uh, Sandy, uh, the time of <coughs> mutation. I think that might be the transition time. Okay. Uh, might yeah. be 200 years of a lot. Is that right, Mike? But it's, it's also over now. So where's it? It's over. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so hopefully 10,000 years of, of peace and, and transition. <laughs> yes. That's something to look forward to. Do you know, when, when I read this, I don't know if I can throw it into even a short conversation here. Um, it made me think of inevitability in some sense and you know the Shriyukteshwar talks about how there simply are beings that transcend time and um, they tend to kind of break this cycle of sorts reincarnation itself is a cycle mm -hmm. um, but the cyclical nature of how the universe is works like clockwork essentially and how that um, you know you go towards the grand center and away from the grand center every 12,000 years and ascending and descending like oh, that is to me somewhat restrictive in a, in a sense like how does that actually work you know are we doomed to kind of fall into you know ignorance again and you know i, I don't really i'm not keen to do that <laughs> personally but <laughs> it just maybe kind of scratched my head for a while that probably got me more stuck in all the technical stuff pre uh, the more <laughs> philosophical questions <laughs> i kind of feel like um that's a good point like because i feel like transcending those cycles is the only way out of them because i often see um people getting excited when they see that we are in, in, a, in an ascending age but also we are in this twenty-four thousand year cycle so within our lifetime we will only see so much of it and some people have really high hopes for our life for the world getting exponentially better but it's more like a, a organic kind of growth i i'm afraid that we're <laughs> into and if we want to have exponential growth, then we have to work on ourselves. That's the way out. It's not waiting for the yoga to get higher. Mm. Yeah. You know, I <clears throat> I heard one once I heard um, one monastic or actually, yeah, it was a monastic. Um, he said that um, the higher age that we are longing to, we have to create in ourselves. Hmm. Yeah. And so we can have um, not just like a Dwapara yoga, we can have a, a, a Satya yoga, a golden age right now. 
um, when we start to create it in ourselves. And I, I really thought about it. And I, I think it's cool. You know, it's, it's a cool thought. Um, yeah, because at the end, it's, it's about you and me, you know, you and us, we are all together. We can start treating each other in a good way and um, yeah, changing the world, starting with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes, and this, sometimes not. <laughs> yeah. The, the description, <clears throat> I, I, I agree with you there. Uh, and the description of the spine being, uh, ref, is it a reflection of the universe? Is that how it's sometimes described? That the spinal cord and this column, um, that is your universe in a sense. Like this is for you to work on through through yoga um, and practice. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't need to wait, thankfully, 5,000 years you can do it in this lifetime. And maybe to that point, um, just to tie this in, maybe to uh, practice uh, of Kriya Yoga, this is the cyclical advancement, let's say, of burning seeds of karma through Kriya Yoga. And, you know, you guys can maybe tell me more about a minute of Kriya Yoga is worth, you know, how many lifetimes or how many, like there's there's some kind of mathematics. One, one, one breath is one year's natural spiritual unfoldment there you go one, one career breath so we're kind of living in some kind of mathematical algorithm then <laughs> you can kind of supersede in some sense yeah and then yeah it's, it's a very lovely mathematical um expression he's put in there something like uh, so a few hours of practice of kriya equates to 100 years of <laughs> of natural spiritual involvement of uh, yeah something crazy something crazy was it long more than that a million years isn't it a million years a million yeah. years, a million years yes. a natural evolution would be a million years in total if you would just have a natural evolutional yeah um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah if you practice correctly yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that with or without energization do you reckon Mike? <laughs> 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 Edmund, Edmund, did you do your energization this morning i did oh yeah but, but you know i have to i have to also admit um energization exercise is one part but then you have also the well i don't know if we can go into details no no we got yeah we got kriya. yeah but you know that kriya comes yep. also with some yep. extras you yep. know and that's sometimes uh, a little bit um you know i don't want to say i do it every day <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, I just want to touch on the last line that he said, which was um, uh, ancient and hidden teachings to be received by many. So pave the way for ancient and hidden teachings to be received by many. And I thought that's an interesting line, perhaps a good one that we can conclude upon. So we've gone through this uh, crazy time of COVID this last year and received by many has become as as it has a whole new meaning now doesn't it so before in this context he's obviously talking about the science of Korea and how it was handed down but SRF has gone through a very vast transition in how it now engages with things like social media and YouTube and uh, how brother Chidananda who is who is going to be introduced in the next minute he wasn't the president at the time but he is now um, and how we you know how the organization and how the disseminating dissemination of our teachings have changed Mike do you want to reflect on that mm. I'm I, I feel like 
this this kind of um, how should I put this? Um, what 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 part? What do you mean exactly? So, what for example, online lessons. There's apps. Mm. There's an app now. Not yeah. only have they not only have they done away with the crazy typewritten lessons, <laughs> typewriter written lessons that we used to have, which I still have and I'm doing, yeah. but um, but they've gone to you know apps lessons on apps um and they've gone they've gone before you'd have to go to we have to buy a dvd to hear a monk talk um now and the whole convocation last year to, to go meet a monastic you'd have to go to you know um one of the three places where there's an ashram or in the or in the world but now online you know every single day there's an online meditation center for example there's there's how many meditations and how many different languages any i think it's like five to ten languages right that they do meditations yeah. in online and, so and in, different 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 time zones as well so yeah so in that context received by many has um i just thought it was quite nice how we've changed and yeah. we've really used you know something that's perceived negatively i.e covid around the world as a springboard really for it, yeah it definitely made the world a smaller place right and it definitely kind of I feel like remote um, attendance in events and, and in work, this was always an option. But now that we have been forced to doing this for a whole year, this, I feel like this has been pushed onto us a bit more and it kind of helps us to overcome space a little bit. You know, when you live not in one of the big cities, a lot of people, they choose to live in the big cities just to be in the middle of the bus, right? And during COVID, there was no bus. All the bus was online. You had as much bus in the countryside as you had in the city. The bus was killed. The bus, exactly. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, then, and then you kind of felt like, it, in the sense, it was a great equalizer between people. And now when you take this away again, I feel like maybe some lasting changes will remain, hopefully. I mean, I love the timing that Brother Vishwananda had with bringing the online meditation center. It's perfect. And, <laughs> on, and then we were ready to have an online convocation. And I feel like those are all things that they cannot take away anymore now. Now mm. people get used to it and re they reach so many people in so many places. Mm. Yeah, Hammond? Yeah, I think I'm a split personality on that question. You know, on the one hand, I see all the advantages um, as you just uh, described. And on the other side, I terribly miss our meditation services at our group. <laughs> you know, and having retreats where you can hug a person, where you can really meditate together in person, that is something that, ah, oh, you know, whew, yes. So <laughs> that would be my take on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting because obviously we, in SRF, we place a lot of emphasis with um, fellowship yeah with our practices and meditating together and yeah. i think yogananda uses the example <laughs> of um a bit of coal you know when it burns when you when it's in the fireplace with other coal it will stay warmer for longer but when it's out by itself it uh it distinguishes quicker and you know so that that's true also for our combined effort in meditation when we're together and that's that collective energy and obviously it no doubt it uh, it uh, is super important mm -hmm. Chris, I, would, I, would, I would upgrade you there Priyank to say like battery cells <laughs> 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 you know like together like you know 
we've got such a stronger charge and sitting in, in London, SRF was my first experience really of, of uh, group meditation. And, uh, you know, looking back on those days was fantastic. I said those days like they were that long ago, they weren't really. But, uh, you know, you could really feel um, the presence for, for good and bad. You know, you've got people coming in after work on a, on a Tuesday in London. You know, the, the minds are busy and sometimes you, you pick this up as well. So, um, you know, it, it's it's definitely a, a new thing that we've all had to come to terms with uh, due to COVID. And back to the previous minute, you know, we were, we were talking about, uh, you know, in one hand, you kind of have the autobiography of Yogi, another one, your mobile mobile <laughs> phone. And, and hopefully, you know, you, you use that technology for the purposes of what we're doing today. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, my, 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 my take on it in general is, is just balance really. Um, and all too often I probably tilted, you know, one way more than the other with technology, but yeah. Right, positive. thank you. We've vastly overstretched our time limit today. We're getting to the limit of the Zoom cloud recording. <laughs> so does anyone have anything more to add? Um, I just have a, something it's kind of going off the beaten topic so i don't want to talk about it too much but the himalayan mountains is really significant to me um just to go back to that and uh i, I know there's certain studies these days about the um energy that's actually generated through mountainous areas and and what, how that affects you know the surrounding areas and there's something you know ter termed uh, ormus energy and and essentially it's it's really pulling energy in from uh, they say that by black holes, and, and there's a whole study on this that really grasped um, my, my my curiosity. And, uh, it, it just clicked, you know, reading certain studies on this and why typically you would find saints and you know yogis in the in the mountains in in the Himalayan mountains. It's because the energy is really rising up, and and it's this rising of energy that helps us, you know. Uh, work through the, the rise of energy in our spinal uh, center. So uh, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. And, and if you have a curious mind that you could really go in and, and uh, research it and just to show for fun for anybody watching, I actually have a, my own little mini, mini mountain thing here <laughs> that actually generates uh, a certain type of energy itself, which helps in meditation. So you can bring the, the, the mountains to, to you in some sense. <laughs> Very cool. It's not not just Himalayas, though, is it? Um, even in Christ, Christian mystics, uh, mysticism is uh, is also associated with mountains, aren't they? Like, for example, if you go see uh, mm -hmm. Saint Francis of Assisi's uh, caves, they're up in they're up in the the mountains, aren't they? In like a remote part that no one would think to put a home, and he's put a home there. Mm -hmm. And I like, last year I went to Greece. Um, there's there's a place called Meteore. And um, that's where, like, you know, it's Christian mystics, is you know, ancient Christian mystics would go and hide out on this top of these cliffs. And it's absolutely, you know, Google it. They look absolutely stunning. But they, mm -hmm. literally to get down, there's a, there's a wrench and a rope. <laughs> you can't, there's no, you, there's no, no one's getting up through a normal walk or anything. So imagine, you know, they, they did long periods of fasting, et cetera, et cetera. So, as a, you know, I think all spiritual paths somehow have got um, a very deep connections to, to mountains and seclusion, mm -hmm. especially. Yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think there's probably more significance as we can't travel through these units to come <laughs> with, with that, right? And, the, and there's node points and the energetic fields around, around the planet. And yeah, it's 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 an awesome subject. And, and this is just one of the <laughs> part of the fascinating elements of spirituality is that it really opens up the universe to us. Right. Any more, Mike? Um, yeah, I, I was wondering, I was just thinking, because I, I'm from Austria, we have the Alps, I was thinking of our Alpine saints, can't, can't think of one right now. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're the financial. financial <laughs> Switzerland, Mike, Switzerland. Switzerland, yeah, that was Brother Klaus, right? Brother Klaus, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was that side of the Alps. That's right. <laughs> wrong side, you said. What? No, that side. That side. That's no wrong side. No, no. We're all friends here. Yeah. No duality here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, any more from you? I was. I've been so happy to to be able to join you guys. Thank you so much. You know. Um, yeah. Great conversation. And nothing more to add. I mean, there there are plenty of topics, but I think that could be um, stuff for for endless further. <laughs> <laughs> probably well <laughs> yes pyramid you know <laughs> you, you shared chris that that alone is a is a topic you know, <laughs> Chester, yeah. you know california wow ufos so we're going to carry on this conversation talk about ufos and pyramids and their links <laughs> offline but yeah, yeah. no heaven thank you very much for joining us you've been an absolute star um for those who can't see heaven and listening to the podcast heaven has got a beard that's bigger than his whole face so he looks like one of those mystics that we talked about and he has certainly <laughs> given us a lot enough food for thought in this uh, in this podcast so hopefully you'll join us again one day Hammond definitely <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you so much everyone we'll call that a day there take care Jay Guru, Jay Guru. see you next time <laughs>